When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. What is up? Welcome to the fourth episode of the Alex Fast Show. So a quick refresher on what we're going to be doing here. Every single MLB pitcher is in the big leagues for a reason, right? Maybe their arsenal possesses something unique or they have a distinct release point or I mean, there's a lot of unique things about the guy that we're going to be talking about today. But what I want the show to do is find out what is the reason? Why are they here? What are they doing that's unique? What should you know about that pitcher, right? Every week, I'm going to be doing an exhaustive dive on one pitcher where we're going to peel back the layers of what makes that pitcher tick. In the process, I'm going to be breaking down at least one high-level pitching concept per episode. We've done induced vertical break. We've done pronation versus supination biases. Um, the episodes in the past have featured Bryce Miller, Mackenzie Gore, Bobby Miller. We've talked with David Cohen, with Eno Saris. Some of the times I'm going to be doing it with a guest. Today, I'm going to be doing it alone. More often than not, I'll probably be doing it alone. Um, every day, I'm learning a lot of things about pitching, and I want to be able to share all of that with you. Am I right? some of the times? Yes. Am I wrong a lot of the time? Maybe I'm learning. So we're going to learn together, right? So today's episode is going to be on George Kirby, and we're actually going to focus today on vertical approach angle. We're going to start by talking about a little uh, you know, insight into what George Kirby is doing overall this year, and then we're going to break down that arsenal pitch by pitch, see how it all works together, and just get really into the nitty gritty, all right? So without further ado, let's just go ahead and dive on into it, right? So currently, all right, I'm recording this very late in the West Coast on Wednesday night. I couldn't do any of my notes. You, you guys voted at a Twitter poll to do George Kirby, and I was kind of hoping you would do Hunter Brown because I had to wait until George Kirby pitched yesterday to make sure that all the numbers were relevant and that he didn't just, you know, walk 10,000 batters all of a sudden because that's the most not- notable thing about George Kirby, right? He's got a 1.7 walk rate, right? I was kind of praying he didn't walk anyone last night, and he did just that. He didn't walk a single batter. George Kirby now has six walks on the year six walks okay over 87 and two-thirds innings pitched that's 14 starts pitching ninja has had plenty of fantastic videos where he calls kirby the king of command talking about how he's essentially just greg maddox but with a 96 mile an hour fastball and that's that's correct right that's not incorrect at all i looked it up and i think there were only two other qualified pitchers since the year 2000 that have had a sub two percent walk rate at the end of the year so it's shaping up to literally be an historic season for george kirby let's get a bit more high level now though so we mentioned the 87 and two-thirds innings pitched for kirby he's got a 329 era top 20 among qualified starters 318 fip which is 11th best and 367 sierra again top 20 among qualified starters 107 whip which is all coming from hits right because he's just walked six batters on the year with a relatively average babip relatively average left on base rate strikeout numbers have taken a bit of a dive he went from 25 percent k rate last year down to a 21 percent that generally has to do with it with uh, kirby being in the zone a bit more overall right which makes sense right he's got a 1.7 percent walk rate he's obviously going to be in the zone a lot and he's upped his zone rate to about 58 percent right Obviously, in this podcast, we're going to go through a lot of numbers, and the numbers don't mean anything unless you provide context. So George Kirby has a 58% zone rate. The league average zone rate is about 
50, right? 58 leads all qualified starters. So George Kirby, highest zone rate in all of baseball. Overall, too, his WOBACON, or weighted on base average on contact, so it's WOBA, but just on contact, take walks out of the equation. His WOBACON went in the zone, right? So essentially, what kind of contact is he giving up? when pitches are in the zone, is 363, right? Now, when you hear Woba and you hear 363, you're like, "Mm, that's not that great. But when we're talking about Woba on contact, 363 is actually very good. League average is 400, which makes sense, right? We're looking at pitches that have been made contact with in the zone, right? So 400 makes sense. 363 for George Kirby, seventh best in baseball. It looks like you know, overall, we kind of have a, a super command artist who is able to find the zone remarkably well, isn't necessarily punished when he does so. But let's get a little bit more granular, right, on, on how specifically he's able to do that with his arsenal. So the arsenal overall, he technically has like a six-pitch mix. He's got a four-seamer that he goes to about 40% of the time, a two-seamer or a sinker, and I'm going to use those terms interchangeably for this podcast, but he goes to it about 22% of the time a sweeper slider mix that he goes to 17% of the time, a curveball 16% of the time, and a changeup and splitter that we're really not going to break down too much. He doesn't really go to it all that often. I think it's like sub 3% combined for them. So to recap, that's about that's fastballs about 60% of the time between the four-seamer and the sinker, and then the rest is like a sweeper slider and a curveball overall. So by handedness, if we're looking just for right-handed hitters to Kirby, the splits aren't too intense. Steady mix of four-seamers and sinkers with, uh, to right-handed hitters, which he combines to go to about 70% of the time, with his most predominant breaking pitch being a slider. Still a, a good amount of curveball thrown in, but really four-seam sinker slider to right-handed hitters. To lefties, largely a four-seamer with a heavier dose of curveball, small smattering of sinkers and sliders mixed in. So not the craziest platoon splits I've seen in terms of arsenal, right? Four-seam sinker slider, largely to righties and then forcing curveball uh, with still a good mix of sliders and sinkers to lefties so like I said we're gonna we're gonna break down pitch by pitch because I think this is where things get really interesting right and we kind of pull apart the seams and see what's kind of underneath so we're gonna start with with George Kirby's four seamer it's the pitch that he goes to the most right so we already hinted at the fact that he goes 95-96 with the pitch, right? He's usually sitting 95-96, more so on the 96 side. We talked in the first episode about induced vertical break. Quick recap, if you want a more in-depth, re- in-depth recap, check out that episode with David Cohn. But the essentially higher the number, the more carry or vert or hop or rise you're going to get. So he gets 15 inches of induced vertical break or vert, which is slightly below league average of 16. So the average righty will get about 16 inches of vert. Uh, and that's, that's, that's a good point that I just made too. When I'm doing this, I'm usually breaking it out by handedness. So the average righty gets about 16 inches of vert. He gets about nine inches of horizontal break, which is a bit more than average, right? So he's not getting cut. He's getting a nine inches of run. If you're a right-handed hit, uh, pitcher throwing a four-seamer towards a right-handed batter, it's kind of going up and in towards the hands. So about nine, uh, about league average when it comes to run for, for George Kirby's four-seamer. He releases the ball from about a one o'clock on the, on the spin axis, which means that rather than the pitch coming straight up like it would if a pitch was on the 12 axis and having perfect backspin, think of it more like running towards that right-handed batter, which makes sense. He gets a below average amount of extension on the pitch, and he doesn't really have a wholly u- unique release point at all. He's kind of, you know, uh, three quarters. Um, he, he's definitely not over the top. He's definitely not down to the side. Uh, when looking to see if there's anything really unique about that release point, as I said, it's kind of in the middle with a bunch of other pitchers. There's nothing really unique there. 
all of this would lead me to believe, you know, when you're talking about the one o'clock spin axis, we're talking about, you know, slightly below average induced vertical break, it would believe, lead me to believe that he doesn't have the most spin efficient four seamer, right? Like we said, not great vert, one spin axis or one o'clock spin axis, and that's true. Kirby's spin efficiency on the four seamer is 87%, which is below league average, right? Usually a, a guy who's back spinning the ball relatively well, you'd want to see him closer to 100%. Usually you'd see, you know, 94, 95, 96, and so forth. This just means that it isn't super spin efficient, right? It gets a bit more gyro spin to it than backspin. There's no such thing, I believe, as a gyro four seamer, but it does have a little bit more gyro to it than, than straight up backspin. When you're breaking down a pitch and you see that it has a spin efficiency below like 94 or whatever, which means that it doesn't really get a good amount of backspin to it, and you see that the vert is pretty average, you could probably think, okay, not a lot of backspin, not a lot of vert, probably a guy who will likely need to throw his heater a little bit lower in the zone to have success. And more often than not, I think you would be right. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that would be a fair assumption, not with George Kirby. So according to the PL player pages, Kirby elevates his heater about 67% of the time, which is in the 91st percentile. So he elevates a lot. He's sporting a 209 Woba on those elevated heaters, which is the second best total in baseball. He gets a 20% swinging strike rate on the elevated heaters, which is fifth best in baseball. And it's worth noting, too, that all those metrics are also virtually mimicked by his teammate, Luis Castillo, which I kind of thought was funny. He leads baseball and swinging strike rate on elevated four-seamers, but this episode's on George Kirby. I think it's safe to say that Kirby is crushing it with elevated heaters, despite not having what one would consider to be a profile that would have that much success at the top of the zone. We talk a lot in this podcast about kind of exceptions to the rule, which is, you know, how you learn the language of pitching is not necessarily learning the rules, but learning the exceptions to the rule. And I, again, I think it's safe to say that this isn't a profile that would necessarily equate to having success at the top of the zone. So how does he do that, right? How does he have that much success at the top of the zone? I think think it's a combination of two factors velocity which is 96 above average and also vertical approach angle so what is vertical approach angle this might be a term that you've heard bandied about a lot and there are a lot of really fantastic resources that'll be able to give you a super 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 in-depth deep dive on this like an entire podcast worth just dedicated to this one concept there is simple saber metrics on youtube which has a really good breakdown tread athletics has a really good breakdown on youtube about uh, uh approach angle vertical approach angle alex chamberlain over at fangraphs has written a bunch of really good articles on vertical approach angle i'm going to do my best to break it down here so what is vertical approach angle the steepness or angle that each pitch crosses home plate at. We're only going to focus on four-seamers for this podcast, and I'm going to break it down even further. Imagine you have a four-seam fastball. Okay, you're standing on the mound, you have a four-seam fastball, and you throw it in a perfect straight line. Forget about gravity. Perfect straight line. You're just throwing a four-seam fastball straight. And if I threw that four-seamer straight, no gravity, when it crossed home plate, it would be perfectly parallel to home plate, right? There would be no angle between the ball and where it crosses home plate, right? It would be perfectly flat. The vertical approach angle in this sense would be zero. There is zero angle because that pitch would be perfectly flat, right? Throw the four-seamer, no gravity. It's going straight. There is, it's parallel to home plate. It's flat, zero degrees, right? Gravity exists, right? Pitches come down towards the zone, right? extension, release point, you're driving down, right? And for that reason, vertical approach angle is always going to be negative, negative degrees, right? We also talk, when we're talking about vertical approach angle, we want to talk in terms, especially for four seamers, uh, in flatness or steep, 
steepness, flatness or steepness. So the flattest vertical approach angle on a four-seamer right, would, would, in, in a world without gravity would be zero, right? That is flat, but there is gravity, like I said. So uh, a starter with a minimum, the, the flattest four-seamer from a starter with a minimum of 250 thrown belongs to Andrew Heaney. Uh, and that's about negative three point, I think negative three point eight or negative three point seven. Other flat four seamers: Freddie Peralta, Joe Ryan, which is very important as to why he has success. J.P. Sears, which is very interesting, and Luis Castillo. So all of their vertical approach angles are about negative three point nine degrees or or negative four degrees. The steepest four seamer in baseball. So take that flat four seam, kind of tip it down a little bit, right? So then the angle becomes steeper. The steepest four-seamer in baseball, minimum 250 thrown, is Zach Greinke's at negative 5.8. So it's not a huge difference, right? But there is a big difference in what that means. But it's good to know, right? If you see something that's about negative four, that's going to be on the the flatter end. And if you see something about negative, uh, close to negative six, that's going to be on the steeper end. Don't necessarily fall into the into the pattern of, oh, flat equals good, steep equals bad. Pitching has so much nuance that it isn't the most conducive way to talk about vertical approach angle like that. Like, you wouldn't necessarily want to say that. You would just state it matter-of-factly. It is flat. It is a flatter four-seamer, and as a result, you can do X, Y, and Z with it. It's about how you incorporate it into your arsenal, right? League average vertical approach angle on a four-seamer is negative 4.8. It's difficult to quantify deception, but vertical approach angle is a piece of the puzzle as to why a pitch may perform better than some of its metrics may indicate. Uh, it's also impacted very much so by release point and extension and location. This is a really, really important note, okay? Because we talked earlier about how Kirby's extension is relatively average and so is his release point. But what's interesting to note is despite the fact that he has a pretty uh, average to above average in terms of flatness vertical approach angle it's about a 4.5 negative 4.5 that's closer to negative 4 it's a little bit flatter than average so again George Kirby slightly flatter than average four seam fastball it plays up a little bit concern considering when you bring the velocity and the similar release points into account so if I looked at pitchers releasing their four seamers at similar release points he actually has somewhat of a flatter four seamer um if you have a flatter fastball, more often than not, you do want to throw it up in the zone. And if it's steeper, you want to live lower in the zone. Again, more resources uh, resources over on YouTube with Simple Saper Metrics and at Fangraphs via Alex Chamberlain and Tread Athletics with Tyler Zombro. A lot of really great videos there. The one last thing I want to say about vertical approach angle, the one kind of nitpicky thing that I've always had with it is it is location based. So for example, if I always threw my four seam at the top of the zone, that would impact my vertical approach angle. That's why I love that Alex Chamberlain has taken the next step and looked at vertical approach angle that's a little bit more normalized, right? And I know that a lot of front offices will look at vertical approach angle a little more normalized as well, but that's an entirely different topic that will take a long time to explain. But again, I think now, hopefully, you have a clear idea of what vertical approach angle is. So I went through all this information to tell you that Kirby has a slightly flatter vertical approach angle than average. Now, when I did some digging, it seems like relatively good for what you'd expect to see coming out of that arm slot. So maybe that's it, but I'm not positive. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't have a definitive answer as to why George Kirby is able to have that much success at the top of the zone. 
to recap, we have average vert, average extension, average release point, average spin efficiency, average vertical approach angle, maybe a little bit flatter. Um, here are some possible answers, right? And even if, you know, I just don't know if you could say definitively there is one, but here are some possible answers, right? One is from Eno Saris. He doesn't typically use it in four-seam counts. That's true, right? Kirby goes slider early a lot of the time and goes to the four-seamer a little bit later, right? We'll get to that in a bit. The other answer, it's his command. He just has remarkable command. He has great feel for his arsenal. And there's a sweet spot with four-seamers that he is able to hit at the top of the zone remarkably well. And that very well could be the answer. The more digging I do, though, the more I'm convinced it has to do with the remainder of the arsenal largely with sinker, largely with the slider. And while the slider is the third most used pitch, and I typically like to go in order of usage, let's jump on over to that pitch. But man, how about that? What is that, 12 minutes on a four-seam fastball? What, what am I doing? Is this all just moot? Am I just crazy? Why am I doing this at 10 o'clock at night talking to you people about four-seam fastballs for 14 minutes? Hopefully you enjoy it. I definitely do. It gets, my, gets me all excited. All right, let's go to the slider. On the surface, the pitch isn't great. It's actually his worst pitch by a lot of metrics. 394 Woba, 21st percentile. It's got a 432 BABIP, right? Okay, but it also has a 357X Woba, which is 28th percentile. 21% hard contact, that's 65th percentile. 5% swinging strike rate, 5th percentile, right? So a good amount of hard contact, or relatively high Woba, and not a lot of swings and misses, which is a step back from what he did last year. It is his best pitch by Stuff Plus, and by PLV, or close to it, right? In terms of a movement profile, it more closely resembles a sweeper, because it gets about negative 12 inches of horizontal break, although it's a bit unique in that it also gets about negative 3 vert, too. So that's about 7 more uh, inches horizontally than a typical sweeper, and a bit more drop. The closest similar slider is Alex Cobbs. Uh, he started throwing, I think, a, kind of a new one this year, in terms of horizontal um, and vertical movement, as well as velocity. Um that makes the Stuff Plus and PLV model make sense, right? It seems a rather unique pitch that he's able to be effective getting swings and misses with in the past, right? Not elite. He had a 9% swing strike rate last year. That's not fantastic, but it's better than a 5%. Um, okay, so we have a pitch that on paper is really good, but in practice has been really poor. And then in the four-seamer, we kind of have the opposite, right? A pitch that's not that great on paper, but has been fantastic in terms of results, and it sounds kind of backwards, right? And that's kind of the answer. It's the way he uses his pitches. To an extent, Kirby has shown a willingness to go to that slider relatively early in counts. So if we're looking at early percentage, and that's defined by PitcherList and the PitcherList player pages, which is pitches thrown in 00 or 01 or 10 or 11 counts. So early in counts, right? It's either the first or second or maybe third pitch. He's shown a large willingness to go to that slider early. He throws his slider early 67% of the time. That's a lot. That's a much more than league average. While his first pitch is still largely four-seamers, okay? His first pitch is still four-seamers. He's largely saving that four-seamer for two-strike counts while keeping the slider early in counts. Now, the good news is uh, this is allowing for Kirby to pick up an elite amount of called strikes on that slider, right? He's got a 25% called strike rate on his slider. That is 95th percentile. The league average called strike rate on sliders is 14%. So he is 11% higher in terms of his called strike rate on sliders. However, so far it's been getting hammered, right? And uh, and what counts is that slider getting hammered in hardest early, early. For looking as uh, early in counts is defined by pitcher list. It's got a 452 WOBA when thrown early. Small sample size, small sample size for sure. But if we're looking at quite literally every other count, right, the slider jumps down to a 278 WOBA. 
So no, why not make the switch, right? I think sometimes we, we, we see these things and we're like, great, stop throwing it so so early, okay? This is like a game of Jenga, right? You know, I mean, he went to the slider 53% of the time last year and it returned far better numbers across the board, right? But like I said, it, it's like Jenga. If we were to just rip apart what he was doing from one section of the arsenal, maybe everything else would come tumbling down with it. Maybe the four-seamer wouldn't have as much success or the sinker wouldn't have as much success, right? And maybe, that, maybe it is as simple as that. Maybe he can make that tweak, but... I just want to hint at the fact that often it doesn't seem like it's that simple, right? Um, it's also important to note that this is like George Kirby's third iteration on a slider sweeper, okay? Last year, there was a cutter that he used, and then he had like a few gyro sliders that he started to throw, and then there was like a sweeper combination, and now he seems to have settled on this new sweeper slurve hybrid. So we'll see if he maintains that over the course of the season. Before we jump into the other parts of the arsenal, though, let's take a quick pause uh, for a quick word from our sponsors. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, let's jump back in by looking at Kirby's second most utilized pitch in his sinker. So it was a really great article by Michael Ahedo over at Baseball Prospectus on the debut of the sinker last year. Uh, I think he debuted it in June, started to up the usage a little bit. Ahedo came out with this piece in July. It's worth noting that the sinker for Kirby averages 95. It's the fourth or fifth hardest sinker in baseball, depending on which minimums you would like to use. Last year, the pitch got about 16 inches of horizontal break with 10 inches of vert, and this year, the pitch has largely maintained those averages while being a little bit more consistent. It's worth noting that there were moments when the four-seamer and the sinker would overlap a little bit in their profile last year, and he seems to have uh, done a much better job in terms of pitch separation, which is important because, as Michael Ohado states, and I agree, the two-seamer and the four-seam, they may really be playing off of one another, right? On the surface, the sinker or two-seamer, it has a tendency to get hit pretty hard, 35% hard contact rate. Still below league average for sinkers, but still relatively hard for Kirby. Overall, the sinker has a 258 WOBA, 85th percentile, and a 10% swinging strike rate, which is 89th percentile. So a good amount of weak contact, uh, definitely not walking people with it because he doesn't walk anyone, and a 10% swinging strike rate. Um, this is not a pitch that Kirby relies on often for called strikes. When guys make contact, they do often get under it. They kind of sky it in the air for like an infield fly or something. If you're looking for a similar profile for the sinker, you can actually look at Zach Wheelers, who has a similar amount of horizontal, similar amount of vert and velocity. It's 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 not the same. It's thrown from different release point, different spin axis, so there's plenty of nuance. But if people want a kind of in a vacuum comp for a sinker, I don't think Zach Wheelers is entirely unfair. Last week, we talked about how Bobby Miller likes to take his sinker and elevate it, right? Well, so does George Kirby, and he actually does it a lot more so, right? 60% 
of George Kirby's sinkers are elevated. It's the 97th percentile in baseball. League average elevation on sinkers is 30, okay? Kirby doubles that, 60%, right? His low location is 41%. Uh, 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 the low location, excuse me, by league average is 41%. George Kirby, 20% low location. Elevated sinkers, right? We talked, again, about that with Bobby Miller. Doesn't really seem to jive, right, when you're talking about, like, elevated sinkers, but okay. Um, This makes those infield flies, though, make a lot of sense. As you, you know, more commonly associate sinkers with ground ball pitches, but he's getting a lot of those infield flies. Only Steven Matz has thrown more sinkers at the top of the zone, And when it comes to getting whiffs on elevated sinkers, Kirby is the fourth best in baseball. So we hinted at this earlier, but uh, against, I imagine this has to do with the fact that he likes to play off of that elevated four-seamer. The jury is still out on whether or not tunneling is real or effective or how impactful it may be. But I think there could be a really good case to be made that Kirby's four-seamer and zinger tunnel super well thanks to that location. It's also worth noting that his pinpoint command allows him to succeed with this location too, right? There are not mistake pitches for him. These are deliberate choices. So we're seeing a theme here, right? There's a little bit of a backwards pitching, there's fantastic command, and there's plus velocity, right? You know, just not not, not to harp on this too much, but we talked about this in the Bobby Miller cast. Sometimes you can just say, well, does he have plus velocity? Well, then he's probably going to be fine, or at least he's going to get away with a lot more mistakes. Obviously, there's more nuance and great movement profiles, but a lot of it is going to come down to, does he, got, does he have good velocity? George Kirby does. Let's talk about the curveball. I want to make sure we're kind of keeping up with the themes we've been discussing over the course of the pod. And one theme that we talked about uh, a little bit in depth last week was pronation versus supination bias, right? The thing it's worth noting that while Bobby Miller seemed to have been really pronation biased, now we have a guy who is likely very supination biased, right? He's not able to get a lot of backspin on the four-seamer. He can create multiple breaking ball shapes, as we saw with the slider last year and this year. And he kind of has a lot of sweep to the ball. We know that Kirby has a bit of sweep to that slider. And the same is true of this kind of slurvy curveball that he has, too. So Kirby's uh, curveball gets 10 inches of horizontal break, negative 10 to be specific, with negative 13 inches of vert or drop. So to be clear, that's like four inches more drop than a typical league average curve and three inches more horizontal than the average slurve. So it seems actually pretty unique in that way, right? It's actually relatively similar to Garrett Cole's curveball if you want it to comp. Again, in terms of horizontal, vertical, and uh, velocity, even with, I think, release point and like spin axis, it like wasn't too far off from Cole's curveball. In terms of performance, the pitch is not a whiff getter for him. It's 7% swing strike rate, 25th percentile. Um, however, you guessed it, a lot of called strikes with a pitch. 26% called strike rate on the curveball for Kirby. That's the 85th percentile. He has a near 60% zone rate on his curveball. League average zone rate in a curveball is about 40%, so 98th percentile. Remarkable. I'm not really quite sure that batters really know what to do with it. As Kirby ends up middle-middle more than average, and hitters aren't really able to square it up. According to PLV, the pitch is in the 96th percentile when it comes to being a, quote, bad pitch. So the league average is 37%. Only 18% of George Kirby's curveballs would be classified as bad pitches, according to PLV. Hitters are just burying that pitch into the ground. The pitch gets a 76% ground ball rate. Okay, that's 30% above average. That's very unique. Kirby featured that curveball a bit more prominently in the start of the season. The pitch has really gone by the wayside in the month of June as the usage has plummeted from 20% down to 10%. Instead, Kirby has opted to throw more sliders, jumping that usage up from about 14% to 25%, which is curious considering the results. While Kirby does feature a changeup and a splitter, they haven't really been serious parts of his arsenal so far this year. The changeup 
looks like he just kind of stopped throwing it all together in May instead of opting for the occasional splitter. But I wonder if his kind of supination bias would prevent him from taking good steps there. But then again, if that were the case, he likely wouldn't be tinkering with it. And what do I know? Anyhow. Um, okay. Last thing I want to mention is if we're going to look at the uh, the Stuff Plus and the Location Plus uh, data from Eno and team that is available uh, on fan graphs by going to you know the leaderboard and pitch modeling and clicking on Location Plus, you are not going to find a lot of pitchers who have an 100 or higher Stuff Plus across their entire arsenal. And George Kirby is very much one of them. 111 location plus on the four-seamer. 111 location plus on the sinker. 121 on the splitter, even though he doesn't throw it much. 108 on the slider. 116 on the curveball. And 107 on the changeup. That is absolutely remarkable. He truly is a command artist, but with insane velocity. Okay, that is a lot of information about George Kirby. So let's do a little bit of a recap to bring it on home. George Kirby might be one of the more unique pitchers that we've talked about. He's got what appears to be an average four-seamer on paper, but an execution is fantastic at the top of the zone due to his velocity and vertical approach angle, along with how it pairs with his other pitches. We used his four-seamer to break down the concept of vertical approach angle as it applies to four-seamers. The closer to zero degrees, the flatter the four-seamer is. The closer to negative five, six, or seven, the steeper it is. All of that information is available via Alex Chamberlain's pitch leaderboard, which is a fantastic resource. Kirby's sinker seems to pair off of his four-seamer super well, which makes sense when you consider how elevated they both are. The slider looks fantastic on paper, but has been getting hammered as of late, even with the increased usage. And we discussed how he likes to go to it earlier in counts than you'd expect to see. Curveball, nice slurvy shape to it, and while he's shown a remarkable ability to get to ground balls with the pitch, he seems to be moving away from it via his arsenal. Kirby is an elite strike thrower who really, truly could be on the way to an historic season. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of the Alex Fast Show. Please rate and subscribe. Feel free to reach out with any feedback of things that you are looking for from the cast. I love hearing from you about stuff like this. But if that's going to do it, though, I believe going to do it. I don't know what that phrase is. If that's going to do it, that's going to do it. I'm going to keep it in. Why not, right? It's late. You're going you're gonna to hear all the flaws. All right. That has been the fourth episode of the Alex Fast Show. I hope you all enjoyed it. I'll talk to you all next week.